Hello and thanks for listening to the Shrimps Verdict podcast, part of Shrimps Live on Beyond Radio. All opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the contributors and not necessarily those of either Beyond Radio or of Morecambe Football Club. This podcast has reached tens of thousands of people so far this season. If your business would like to reach those people in an extremely cost-effective way, you can drop me an email for more details to dave.salmon at beyondradio.co.uk. Salmon as in the fish. Or you can send me a private message on Twitter at DP Salmon. Every kick, every game, every goal. Following Morecambe FC in League One. Full match commentary of Morecambe FC on Beyond Radio. This is Shrimps Live from Beyond Radio. After. Shane McLaughlin's done well there to steal a good few yards of space into the feet of Phillips and then the touch by our younger on the edge of the box, just a little bit heavy but uh, does well to get the ball back a second time and that's a great goal and it's Greg Lee opens a scoring for Morecambe and I have to give credit to Joan Younger there because I thought he'd lost it on the edge of the area but he fought back really well and that is a delicious cross from Adam Phillips on the right hand side and what a time for Greg Lee unmarked 10 yards out to nod it home to score his first goal in a Morecambe shirt and make it the Shrimps 1 Crew Alexandra nil. Well I was just about to sort my hard time graphic out there and pulling a nice little picture in of Adam Phillips and all of a sudden the ball's in the back of the net great little header from Greg Lee there gets forward we talk about him his defensive attributes and it's superb but that was an unbelievable header from Greg Lee on the spin and it just gives us a lead that probably we haven't been the, the best at or the most deserving but doesn't matter balls in the back of the net 1-0 and that's all we're after games like tonight Ryan and, and Sunday against Doncaster we get the win any way we know how but you have to say what a header from Greg Lee and what was he doing so far forward in the central position it's fair to say we are knocking on the door in the first five minutes of this second half but here come crew with an attack of their own it's Lowry the midfielder is jinking and turning towards the back post let's go in it's into the back of the net the equaliser for crew six minutes into the second half and it's Chris Porter it's Chris Porter unmarked and old habits die really hard don't they we start the second half really really well and then we just got caught out again cross comes in and it's a free header and it's the veteran porter who nods it past Kyle Leatherin to make it more than one Crow Alexandra one yeah I was talking in the first half after Greg Lee um, put, put us in front now it was a very Chris Porter X header that's exactly what's happened here balling from the right hand side exactly uh, as we saw when we opened the scoring headed into the same bottom right hand corner as we look at it by the experienced Chris Porter and exactly we didn't need that and it was a totally against the run of play and now we've got it all to do once again in this game and disappointing given the manner that we had started the first five minutes of the second half free kick taken our oh, Porter was in all sorts of space again there on the edge of the box nobody picked him up and Gibson just about gets it clear and then the shot comes in oh what a goal that is that is a world-class strike from Luke Murphy on the edge of the box Porter was in all sorts of space from the free kick from the halfway line we didn't clear it on the second phase and it's Murphy with a right-footed dipping volley over Carl Leatheran into the top corner and it's all turned around in the second half here at the Mazuma to make it Morecambe 1 Crew Alexandra 2 what a goal you can't really say anything there but 
but, but what a strike you just knew didn't you as soon as it came off his foot where it was ending up and it just looked like it was always destined for the back of the net and unfortunately that's exactly what happened and like you said it's turned this game completely on its head here 10 12 minutes after the hard time whistle all the promise all the hard work all the determination of the first 45 minutes has evaporated in the space of seven second half minutes here at the Mazuma. A good finish, like you say, Ryan, a, a great dipping volley. Nothing Carl Leatherham could do about that as it just sailed over him and into the back of the net from the edge of the area. But we should have cleared it before it had the chance to fall at his feet. It's as simple as that. Reaction to the action. This is the Shrimp's Verdict on Beyond Radio. Extremely disappointed. Um, if you defend like we did, you know, Creek started brightly due to our referee's poor decision. Got three or four corners, we defended it, got ourselves back into the game, went 1 0 up. Um, but I mean, we've their players going away from goal, he's on the, the touchline, and we don't defend a free cross, free header in the box from four or five yards out. We don't land on a second ball for the second goal. She so deserves to lose you defend like that. You know, we've gone to that back five because we have been conceding way too many goals. We're trying to put more bodies in there. But we didn't pass the ball. You know, uh, as I said previously, it was a big game. It looked like it was a big game for a lot of players and, and a lot of them froze. A lot of them were hiding from the ball, unfortunately. Um, you know, it's it, that's the, the saddest bit. If you're not going to be able to defend well, you have to stay on the ball. You have to be brave on the ball and we weren't brave at all. So I think we got what we deserved. It looked so well when he went 1-0 up. As you say, it may have been against the run of play, but Greg Lee's first goal, a great goal too. And from there, it just looked like you might settle into it and, uh, and take the points. Yeah, and we, we finished the half well. Um, I don't think they had any clear chances. And then we started the second half really well as well. You know, we were right on to it, a couple of half chances. But as I say, if you defend like that, and you know that's probably been the story of our season, individual errors, different people each week that are struggling at this level to, to cope with the... The quality at this level, if the truth be told, um, it's been a different person every week making individual mistakes. You know, as I say, we've got the player facing away from goal on the touchline, no danger whatsoever. He ends up crossing the ball just outside our 18-yard box and a free header from three yards. So that's um, unexplainable, undefendable at times. And the second goal is a simple land on the second ball. We don't. We get burst off the ball and, and he scores a, a wonderful goal in fairness to the boy. But um, we didn't pass the ball. You know, we, we didn't get on it. We didn't pass it. Too many people were hiding from the ball. So, as I say, if you can't defend, you need brave people on the ball, and we weren't brave enough. You said a few times in recent weeks that players have to look at themselves. Is, is that a case again tonight? Yeah, listen, we, uh, I have to look at myself as well. Everybody has to look at themselves. That's uh, the industry we're in. The fans voice their opinion at the end of the game. I, I fully accept that. I think I probably would have booed it as well, if I'm being totally honest. Um, you know, we need to do some business. It's not as easy as everybody thinks. We don't have a lot of money. Um, you know, so we're trying to get players that are better than what we have that can cope at this level, defend better at this level. And you know, that's that's proven very difficult at the moment. How big now is the Doncaster game on Sunday? I think every game's huge. This game was huge. Um, you know, you're not going to stay up based on winning this game or losing this game, but it's certainly a blow to us tonight. Um, the Doncaster game is as big as this one tonight and we simply have to perform better we have to have more people stand up and be counted you know I've, I give them the freedom to play no one's ever told them to start slashing balls up the pitch we've tried not to pass backwards as many times in our final third but no one's ever told them to slice balls 60 yards up the pitch with no cur and no quality um, but sometimes that's the easier option when you're playing with low confidence and people go missing and hiding from the game and you know you see when Tombs come on 
you know, Toomey's defensively at times can get caught out, but at least he wants the ball. You know, at least he wants to play and be brave on the ball. And you know, that's what we need at this moment in time: brave people. One player didn't have tonight was Cole Stockton. Any news on him? Yeah, Cole was injured. Um, he hasn't got COVID. Um, touch wood but he hopefully will be available again Saturday um, we had a couple other boys out with Covid Adam Phillips now looks like he, he could be injured as well so um, we're, we're losing people around Cooney at tonsillitis um, was in hospital with tonsillitis it was quite bad so things aren't going away at this moment in time in terms of getting any kind of consistency with slicks and our, our injuries but you know, saying that the players on the pitch have to be better than what they showed tonight We're hoping that Cole's back for Sunday Let's hope so. You know, he's a leading goal scorer. Um, he's badly missed when you don't have people that can get hold of the ball um, and bring people into the game. It's very, very difficult, and he certainly does that. And you know, he's he's sorely missed. You know, sometimes you think you can replace players. You, th- you know, you think you can replace people like Sam Lavelle and Carlos, but these boys go on to big, big money. You know, five and six times the money they are here, and we replace them with boys that were on this money and they're two and three years away from where the, the lads have left the club are. So it's a it's a tough process. One we have to get on with, one that other teams are in a similar position to. And as I say, the transfer window is, is going to be huge for us. Well, Greg, a 2-1 home defeat to crew this evening. Just uh, generally your thoughts on the game? Just good, man. Uh, I felt that the, the game started off sloppy both sides. There wasn't a lot in it. And obviously we get the goal. Um, sort of started to give me a little bit of control in the beginning of the second half. And then the ball comes against the run of play and then, yeah. Obviously, the rest is history from there. We just sort of crumbled, which, uh, yeah, disappointment. I can see this disappointment on your face. I mean, on a positive side, you scored the goal. It took Morecambe to lead at the half-time, but unfortunately, you just couldn't keep hold of it, could you? No. Uh, yeah, obviously, you know, nice to get the goal. And, you know, you're thinking at that point, OK, we've got a foothold in the game. Can we just start, you know, getting control of it? Because the ball had just been everywhere, I think, at that point. They'd had a bit of spells, we'd had spells, but it wasn't really settling in. Yeah, just... Uh, just gutted that obviously we, we couldn't see it out or not see it out but just keep keep a clean sheet for the rest of the game it's something that we struggled with all year and uh, just struggle with it again when you want it up is just it hurts more the first goal for them when uh, Chris Porter of all people unmarked in the box that was a real turning point wasn't it yeah I'd say so I don't believe that they had much in the way of possession or chances before that um, but to be unmarked from five yards I mean what, what can you say about it do you know what I mean it's just if you're going to do that you're going to you're going to concede goals and lose football games and that was the real turning point. You, you, you bang on. Doncaster next for you now. This was a big game tonight. Doncaster now massive, isn't it? Yeah, it's huge. It's huge. You know, we all knew how the importance of the game, and it's massive now. You know, I think that game, teams in and around them, they're six-point games, so to lose one hurts a lot. But we have to, we have to literally just, you know, pull up, pull our socks up, and get back out there and make sure that we don't let it happen again. You know, because it's just not good enough. I say the players need to find some confidence and find it quickly, don't they? Yeah, I'd say so. You know, I think that we do really need to like get back to how we play. I think that you know we don't look ourselves. I don't think, but especially the main thing you got to do is work hard and, and defend at the box, and we're not doing that. So I think getting back to doing that will be a, a starting point for us. But we need to do it quickly because we can't be doing that in, in five days' time, four days' time. It's the Shrimps Verdict Podcast, part of Shrimps Live on Beyond Radio. Coming up in just a while, we'll be talking to Glenn Wilson. Glenn is the editor of Doncaster Rovers' popular stand fanzine. Take the full lowdown on all things Rovers, ahead of another really crucial game for Stephen Robinson's men at Morecambe against Doncaster Rovers. This coming Sunday, that's the 2nd of January. It's a three o'clock kickoff at the Mazuma Stadium and, of course, full match commentary as ever on Shrimps Live. If you're not heading down to 
the game. A fascinating chat uh, with Glenn from the Popular Stand fanzine on the way very shortly. But uh, you may have noticed if you uh, listen to us on Beyond Radio uh, or on iFollow for the crew game uh, that uh, Matt Smith was absent uh, from the press deck at the Mazuma Stadium. And that is because Matt has unfortunately got to isolate uh, due to coronavirus reasons. But uh, Matt uh, caught the game on iFollow so uh, he can join us uh, on the podcast to give his thoughts on the game. So... Firstly, Matt, before we um, get into the game, uh, how are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm well, thank you. Um, I returned a negative lateral, uh, sorry, a negative PCR test um, day before yesterday, I think it was. Um, so the reason that I'm isolating is just purely precautionary, obviously looking after Lauren, who's pregnant, um, keeping a, a stern eye on her. But also um, the last thing I want to do, of course, is... Um, not know that I have it and then take it into the club um, and then cause a bit of a spread amongst the uh, the first team because um, obviously that would just cause no end of problems. So it's just purely precautionary. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm well, thank you. Right. I'm, I'm glad to hear that because I think that's about the only positive thing that we're about to say in the next 10 minutes on the podcast. Not at the game tonight. You've watched the whole thing on iFollow not great. No, um, I mean, it's it's disappointing to to lose considering we were a goal up, and I think after after taking the lead, I think we were certainly the the team in the ascendancy. Um, and even the way we started the second half, you know, I was massively impressed. We played very positively. We looked to get the ball into really dangerous areas, um, and, and we just showed everything that that we're good at. And then. Obviously, they catch us on the break uh, with a, a goal that we should really be defending better. Um, and then the game totally flips on its head, doesn't it? Um, a fine finish uh, for their second. Um, but I think beyond that point, we didn't really pose too much of a threat. I mean, a younger had a, a strong chance, which was saved by the keeper and obviously the Wildeg effort uh, from close range. But apart from that... We didn't really test them as much as I'm sure the gaffer and the team would have wanted us to have done. For me, it was the, the most disappointing thing was having restricted crew to so little in the first half. We weren't mega potent ourselves going forward, but we got our noses in front. We were nice and solid, nice and compact. And we started the first five minutes of the second half like an absolute train. And if we'd have got the second goal, it would have, of course, been a very different story. But... It's those old habits again, isn't it? You can't give a veteran striker of many hundreds of appearances in the AFL a free header three or four yards out. And you, you can't legislate for a, a, a great volley into the top corner, of course, for their winning goal. But the fact is we had two opportunities to clear the lines. It's, as Robbo says, the second contacts, the third contacts. And we just didn't hoof it clear. We didn't get our laces through it. And once again, we're punished as a result. Yeah, just those those fine moments. Um, like we say, the, I think their keeper did well, to be fair to him. With the, a younger effort, it was a good save. And then touching on that Wildeg effort again, you know, if that goes in, it's, yeah. uh, it's a different game. Um, we'd be in the ascendancy once more. We've got the fans behind us and things like that. So, yeah, um, just disappoint. Obviously, we all know that it was a massive game um, and it just makes, I suppose, the next game against Doncaster even bigger. The one thing that I think Robbo is going to be disappointed about, and he has touched on this 
in his post-match as well. So I don't think I'm speaking particularly out of school, is that some players, I'm not saying weren't up for the fight, because I, I don't think that's true. I think every single player in the squad desperately wants to do well. Of course they do. They're professional footballers. And as we know, Matt, we're very lucky to deal with them week by week. They are a great bunch of, of, of people, aren't they? First and foremost. So I would never say they weren't up for doing their absolute best, but perhaps the occasion got to a few of them. Perhaps maybe they know what might be coming down the track in the transfer window. Either way, we didn't have enough of the players who were on the field. That's the subs and the starting 11. We didn't have enough at the races more than we needed to be. Yeah, I mean, we, we can't use the excuse of obviously not playing on Boxing Day. The last time we played was the 18th of December, I think it was, against Fleetwood. They had 18 crew, days off, though. Crew. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, crew have had a long time away from it as well. So, like I say, I, we can't use that as an excuse. Um, like you say, you look at the lads' desire and and the qualities and, and the capabilities that they have. Um, it's difficult to question that because we've seen earlier on in the season just what this team are capable of. You know, I hate to sound like a broken record, but um, it's it's still a source of, of positivity for me to, rel- to to fall back on, if you will. The performances that we put in against the likes of, of obviously championship opposition in the Carabao Cup against Blackburn Rovers and Preston North End and then the games against Ipswich Town and, and Shrewsbury at home and Sheffield Wednesday at home, all with a similar squad, you know. Obviously, it's not really been a, a, an overhaul since those games took place. So, we do have we do have the capabilities within this squad to to get results and put in solid performances. Um, it's just like you say, it's a bit of a, a tough spell at the minute for the lads. And and like we say, they'll be absolutely itching to put it right. As will the gaffer and, and the staff. They they'll be wanting it more than anyone. They'll be hungrier than anybody else to to put this this run right as soon as possible, starting obviously with that massive game on the 2nd of January against Doncaster. It couldn't be more massive now, given what's happened. Yeah, I mean, the, we all knew that the Christmas period was was a, a, a really big moment in this season. Um, of course, the Boxing Day game against Bottom Wanderers, as we all know, was postponed. So that's another game that we've got lined up. Um, I don't think we've got a confirmed date, uh, rearranged date for that one. So that will fall as and when. Um, obviously the game tonight was huge I think the gaffer touched on it um, in his interview it's a huge game tonight and uh, the the game against Doncaster was always going to be huge irrespective of what happened tonight Um, but obviously the fact that we've uh, that the the result panned out the way it did just makes it a little bit of a bigger game doesn't it Um, and it also gives the lads I think Greg Lee said it as well it it gives the lads the opportunity to really pull the socks up now and uh, and almost go out and, and make themselves counted. So half-term report time then, Matt, we're now at the halfway point of the League One campaign. How, how have you seen the Shrimps' progress so far in the in League One? Um, like I touched on earlier, it's it's ups and downs, isn't it? The way we started the season was absolutely tremendous. You know, we... we those first, that first month or two, we really took it by storm and we surprised so many people. Um, and it's key to note, the, pe- the, 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 the only folks that we didn't really surprise were ourselves because 
seeing what we did in training and seeing what the lads were doing pre-season, we, we knew what they were capable of. Um, so it was a really great start to the season. And then obviously a bit of a, a poor run of form that followed. Um, and again, we showed signs of bouncing back from that. You know, obviously the the away win at Crewe. Um, and then you look at the Wickham game, that was obviously a... a a really poor result in the end. Uh, again, that, that first half against Wickham was massive, wasn't it? It was such a good performance. So there's still those little little moments that you can kind of take solace from and think, right, okay, we set, we set, um, you know, we set, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, benchmark. Yeah, that's the one. Sorry. Yeah, we set the benchmark in those moments. Um, and those are really the moments that we need to to, to, to get back to. And then obviously, more recently, uh, obviously, the, the away win at uh, Fleetwood Town was huge. Um, and then the reverse fixture, even, even Charlton, when we're 2-0 down, the character we showed to come back and, and end up claiming a point from, like I say, from 2-0 down, end up drawing the game 2-2. Uh, and then... Away performance at Portsmouth, yes, we lost 2-0. It was a solid performance, much better, much improved than the Sunderland one. Uh, and then the game before now, Fleetwood Town 0-0 at home, could have won the game, maybe should have won the game. Um, and then just disappointing to lose, obviously, tonight the way we did. So it, it's it's been a bit of a mixed open, oh, mixed first half of the season, I'd say. Um, but we've got plenty of opportunity to... Uh, to, to to put it right, I suppose, you know, the gaffer said in his post-match that you don't, your season isn't decided by the the, the, the result tonight. Of no. course, it may go a, a long way in deciding what could happen, who knows, but the, the winner or the loser of the game tonight wasn't guaranteed safety or wasn't doomed to relegation. You know, our destiny undoubtedly is still in our own hands. It's just a case of putting it right on the training field and, uh, and pushing on and, and doing all we possibly can to start picking up wins and climbing up the table. It's from the results at Wickham that that we've started to go on that uh, downward part of the roller coaster, if you like. We were in decent shape when we went to Adams Park. Seems a lifetime ago now, back in uh, in early October. But uh, two 0 up against the then league leaders, we were absolutely flying. We were playing them off the park. Obviously, it then fell apart in the second half, and and since then, I think it's six points out of a possible thirty nine. Six points in thirteen league games, and and that has dragged us right back into the relegation battle that we now find ourselves in. I think you're dead right there, Matt. It, it, and we've said it all season, haven't we? It is that roller coaster. We've experienced some ups. We've experienced some crashing lows. We've experienced everything in between. We knew it was going to be a turbulent season following Morecambe Football Club this season. And, and so it's proved. Yeah. Um, and I think if we look at those opening months of the season, we were playing with so much confidence because the way that we were performing in games and the results that we were picking up. Um, and I think maybe we're possibly lacking a bit of confidence at the minute. So I think it's important that um, that the lads almost realise just what they're capable of and, and understand that obviously they are a, a good group of, of, of quality footballers because if that wasn't the case, you know, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be on the point total that we are now. Yeah. Um, don't get me wrong. We'd like to be a, we'd like to be higher up in the table. We'd like, we'd like to have more points on the board. But 
we, we wouldn't be a good side if we didn't pick up those results in the early stages of the season. So I think it's just a case of trying to resort back to those early early months and just finding that form and finding that consistency uh, and also that confidence that we played with. Because if we, if we if we are able to do that, then we should be able to to put in better performances going forward and certainly pick up more wins than than losses. And hopefully some reinforcements in the January transfer window. But as the gaffer alluded to in his post-match there, it's not easy to find players of the quality that we need for the budget that we have. Certainly Robbo and Martin Foyle, they're going to have their work cut out. Either way, we do need to freshen the squad up in the window. Yeah, you know, bringing a couple of players in, um, it can always have that effect on on a squad, can't it? It can lift them, um, maybe a source of motivation for the players if they know that that you know uh, new players are coming in to compete for positions in the starting eleven uh, on match day. Um, so, like you say, I don't, I don't envy the gaffer or uh, or Martin at all in terms of windows. It, it certainly, from an outsider's point of view, it looks such a stressful time. You know, the gaffer's made no bones about it, how difficult it was when he first came to the club in summer um, in terms of recruiting and, and bringing players to the club. So um, it's a difficult process. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure he's got maybe a, a couple of players in mind already. Um and, and like we say, hopefully it can have that effect on that that just lifts the dressing room a little bit um, and, and just propels us a little bit going forward rather than looking back. But finally, Matt, a long way to go in the season. Of course, the fans are going to be disgruntled uh, after the crew result. We wouldn't expect anything less. We're disgruntled as members of the media and, and, and as members of the of the media team of the club. We want things to be better, but uh, still a very, very long way to go. And we can't lose sight of the fact that we've still got half of the season still to play. Yeah, um, don't get me wrong. Um, there's a lot of football to be played between now and and I think the season was originally supposed to end in, uh, in back end of April, but obviously the postponements as a result of COVID, I'm sure it'll run on a little bit longer yeah. than it should have done. Uh, and don't get me wrong, you know, I think there'd probably be something wrong if, uh, if fans weren't voicing their opinions and showing their emotions because, you know, the Morecambe fans are such a, a loyal and passionate fan base. Yeah. They absolutely adore this football club. They've been with them through thick and thin, especially in recent years. They've been they've been really low moments, but also the absolute ecstasy of that summer win over uh, over Newport County at Wembley to, to to get us promoted in the first place. So these fans want us to turn it around more than anyone. These players and the staff want them to turn it around, and obviously, like you say, we as well. There's nothing that uh, anybody would like. Than, uh, than, than the shrimps to turn around their recent form. Um, but it's just about sticking with them. You know, voice your opinions by all means, but but the gaffer said time and time again that the fans don't know just how much of a part they play on a match day. Mm. Um, and from speaking to players as well, you know, especially in really important stages of games, when, when the players can hear the fans, you know, supporting, chanting their name and things like that. It really gives them that extra 1%, doesn't it? So, yeah, a long way to go. Um, this season's not over by a long shot. A lot of things can happen between now and the end of the season. And, uh, you know, I've got every confidence in the gaffer and the players that um, they'll be doing all they can to, to put this right. I suppose, conversely, that's why we love 
football so much and it, it's why it is the game that it is, I, I guess, isn't it? Matt, thanks very much. Uh, we will uh, speak to you again after uh, the Doncaster game on Sunday, virtually, of course. Hopefully you, know, you can't catch anything nasty down uh, a, a Zoom call. I, I don't believe you can anyway, but uh, Matt, thanks very much. Stay well and uh, we'll talk to you again on Sunday. Thank you. Very much looking forward to it. Matt, thank you very much indeed. Uh, Matt will still be in COVID isolation for the game against Doncaster on Sunday at the Mazuma. So I'll be joined in the Shrimps Live commentary box uh, with Abby Rodwell. Abby has uh, been in and around professional football for a good number of years. She used to be part of the media team at Doncaster Rovers a few years ago. She's worked at the EFL as well and uh, currently works uh, for our friends at BBC Sport. I'm going to be talking to Abby not just about the game against Doncaster and our commentary, but about a whole heap of other things about uh, a woman uh, working in the English professional game and a whole host of other topics. Really looking forward to welcoming Abby uh, to Shrimps Live this coming Sunday and she'll be a big part of our next Shrimps Verdict podcast as well. And talking of uh, the game on Sunday, another vital one for Stephen Robinson's men in our quest uh, for survival this season in League One. And ahead of that game, I've been talking to Glenn Wilson. Glenn is the editor of the Doncaster Rovers popular stand fanzine, lifelong Rovers fan. So the ideal person to get the full lowdown on all things Rovers ahead of our game at the Mazuma on Sunday. And by the way, I should point out that we recorded this chat with Glenn just before it was confirmed that Gary McSheffrey was the new permanent manager of Doncaster. So, Glenn, thanks very much indeed for coming on. Uh, before we get started, tell us all about the Popular Stand fanzine and yourself as a fan. Yes, so Popular Stand fanzine was formed uh, way back in 1998. Uh, at the time, Rovers were dropping out of the Football League, being sort of forced out, if you like, by a rogue chairman slash benefactor and other people involved and the club was in a, was in a right old state, as, as many people probably, some might remember, some might have read, you know, amongst the chairman's many misdemeanors that time was trying to trying to set fire <laughs> to the stand to to money on trying to sell the ground that he didn't even own and, and lots of other things. So Popular Stand was born at that time to give a platform to fans, really. There were other fanzines at the time, but the, the people who set it up felt that they weren't going far enough to call out the ownership. So that's when it started. And it's it's been going ever since as a as a platform, you know, for, for fans to, an independent platform, I should say, for fans to have their say about all things Rovers. And um, we're still a print fanzine primarily. We're still a pound, which is what we were back in 1998. And we're, we're not for profit as well. So any money we do make, we, we give away to local charities and good causes. Um, so I've been editor of the fanzine for about ooh, 10, 10 years now. I've been writing for it since, well, since I was in sixth form and I'm, closing in on 40 now so that tells you how long I've been involved um, and I've been a Rovers fan all that time I, I started watching Rovers regularly about the age of 15 uh, I used to watch sort of village football teams that my father was involved with before that and have been been following Rovers ever since despite not having lived in, in Doncaster for well more than half my life now unfortunately the, the Rovers have, have followed me wherever I've been <laughs> I remember actually Glenn uh, the, 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 uh, the well now infamous TV documentary about Doncaster Rovers. I, I caught it during lockdown. It was one of the things I caught, I re-caught up with on YouTube. And it was a, a, a fascinating time for all the wrong reasons, I suppose, if you were a Donny fan back in the 90s. Yeah, I mean, we, you can, 
obviously at the time it, it, there was there was a huge amount of anger and, and the, the TV documentary only really scratches the surface of a lot of things that were going on. But I think now with the, the benefit of time and hindsight, we can always look back at it almost with an element of, of sort of gallows humour of the just the sheer ridiculousness of, yeah. of everything that was going on. You know, if you were writing that as a as a storyline, you'd, you'd be rejected for being too far-fetched, you know, <laughs> losing all the players, the the manager having no managerial experience and then signing himself as a player on deadline day just in case. There's just so many, so many ridiculous things. Um, I think the, the best thing in that documentary for me is there's an interview with Lee Warren, who was one of the better players, actually, more committed players of the 40-odd that went through that season. And I think then he was captain. And it's on the way to Chester late in the season. As he says something like, uh, you know, we're not, we're not dead yet. Although in football terms, we are dead. <laughs> it's such a, I think it just speaks volumes of, for, for all the ridiculousness of that season in that one quote. I highly recommend it. If, nobody, if, if people haven't watched it, just uh, Google or search on YouTube, Doncaster Rovers 90s documentary, and it'll pop. It's only about 45 minutes long, but yeah. it is absolutely incredible. And uh, like you say, Glenn, some of the things that went on, you just could not write them. But to the present... The club is in a stable position that the board aren't throwing money at the team, which I think a lot of fans would like to see and would like to see more investment in the team. But it's not due to, unless something dramatic's happened in the last half an hour before we've started <laughs> the call, it's, it's not due to, um, you know, financial issues of any sort. We've got investors with a bit of money, but they're just trying to run the club prudently, um, which when you look across football, the amount of sort of crash and burn cases, look at the championship at the moment and the teams that are, you know, think the Derby Red and I think Bristol City are now in some trouble there. You know, there's a... Some teams get away with throwing money at things and going for it, like Bournemouth have done. Some teams don't. Um, I think you know our experience of, as we say, the late nineties should say that there's a there's a strong case for being run prudently. I don't disagree with that as a fan myself. Some fans do, and I think there's a there's a bit of discord amongst the fan base as to what the board should be doing and how much they should be investing. Um, like I say, I I don't think that we're in a they're doing anything wrong at the moment. I just think we're we're suffering the knock-on consequences of having managers that have jumped ship quite quickly and not really having put in place a, a long-term strategy beyond each manager we've had. I suppose you go back to the good old days, Sean O'Driscoll era. You've had other successes. I suppose Darren Moore, it was quite a steady ship there as well, wasn't it, before he left for, for Sheffield Wednesday. But what has gone wrong this season then, Glenn? I guess you started the season, new charismatic manager with something of a track record. and But, but what happened to, to make it go so wrong? Um, I mean, I think you've got to look beyond the, manage, beyond the management hot seat. You know, we started this season with a, almost a completely new team. The, the, the opening day team, I think there were nine debutants and Tommy Rowe, who hadn't been with the club for two seasons, was returning. So there's only one player continuing on from the previous season um that's always going to take time to gel and it just looks like it hasn't it hasn't worked you know that we, we lost a lot of players through contracts ending and wanting to move elsewhere a lot of players were kind of phoning it in at the back end of last season once Darren Moore left you've got the retirement of, of James Coppinger which is a huge thing because you just lose a lot a significant amount of continuity yeah. and and guidance in that on the playing field um, and it's a young team and, and we've 
we've not really in the players that Richie Wellens brought in. And I think some were decent signings. I think some have proved to be poor signings. There's just been no cohesion of, of trying to form those. It feels like no cohesion of forming those players into, into something they can do. You know, um, obviously injuries have played a part. We've had injuries to particularly Fajiri Okunabiri, who'd be the main strike threat for us. He's not been available all season and, and other key players have been injured. But, you know, every team in the division has players missing through injury at some point. So you've, you've kind of got to look at what you've got and how you form that into something. And we just haven't, Richie Wellens just didn't find a way to do that. It wasn't, you know, there it, it was a lot of talk about it being a long-term strategy he was employing and it was going to take time. And, and I get that and I understand that. But I think the difficulty was there was nothing in the short term to show what we were building towards, yeah. you know, and it's hard to get on board with a long-term aim when you can't even see the shoots of it in the in the interim. I suppose sometimes it, it doesn't always, in terms of the fairy tale, it doesn't always transpire, does it? A, a player of such standing doesn't necessarily then transfer into being the manager of the same club. But, but did he have enough time or or was it something of an impossible job or, or was it a bit of both? I, I mean, I don't think it was an impossible job. I think it was a very difficult job, but I don't think it was an impossible job. Um, we're not a club that has ever moved quickly to sack managers, you know, and I can't remember us giving a manager as short a space of time as this ever, you know, in a, in a long, long time. Um, I mean, the, the difficulty is, is I think the way the club saw it, they'd given him time, that you know, he brought in what probably 11, 12 players. Did they really want the same person to be bringing in new players in January when the 11 or 12 we brought in weren't really yeah. showing what they could do. And, and I get that. It'd be nice to have seen him, you know, seen him have more time to achieve it. But I think the way things were at the point that the struggling, I think it was, it was right for everybody that he left at that point. And it's sad to say that, because like you say, you know, he was a, a, a much enjoyed former player at Rovers. He was there when we had a lot of success. And I think everyone wanted him to do well and really wanted it to work out. But I think you'll struggle to find anyone, well, probably on Rich himself, I'm sure, but you'll struggle to find anyone in the fan base who felt like it needed more time to be shown what, what could achieve that. And it goes back to what I said before about, you know, if, if you were getting bad results, but you could see what you were trying to do in the long term, I think we'd have bought into it more. But there was just nothing to show in the short term, for me anyway, that, that showed what we were trying to move towards. Seem very short of goals, especially this season, Glenn. Is, is that purely down to lack of quality? Obviously, goals win games of football, don't they? Is that down to lack of quality or are the players that you have got? You've got some reasonable names on paper, at least. Are they just not performing? I think if you... I was thinking this while, you know, while watching Sunderland run rings around us the other day. <laughs> yes, like, they did that to us as well. So that's Yeah. It. <laughs> <laughs> what sort of team, you know, there's a lot of time to think when you're not on the attack. <laughs> yeah. Um, was what sort of team could could we be putting out, you know? And if you go through the players that are missing through injury, and it's not a bad side. It'd be a side that lacked death, but it wouldn't be a bad side. But we've really struggled in, in attack this season. And that, as you say, is reflected in how few goals we've scored. You know, I've watched games where we just, we're just not showing anything. There's no inventiveness in the, in the final third, no quality in the final third. Um, and it's, I mean, it's... I, mean, I suppose it must come down to the, the players in that area not just not being good enough, really. Then there's no, I think it goes back to what I said before about cohesion. There's no real approach that seems to make sense with the players we have. You know, I watched us just whack long balls up towards 
Joe Dodu against Sunderland. And even if we did find him, there was no one near him. So it's it's hard to see what, what we can do. Like I say, on paper as a squad, we don't look too bad. But the issue is that most of that squad is is in the treatment room or has got COVID or, or whatever, you know, and it and isn't available. I think I think Fajiriok and Abiri is capable of being a very good striker at this level. And I think we saw hints of that last season. But unfortunately, we just haven't seen him at all this season. He's not, he's not played a game. Now, you're not, or, or no team in and around the bottom six or seven, eight, nine clubs in, in League One. Nobody's quite cut adrift yet, are they? That's despite a number of clubs, ours and, and, and yours, when included, not being on a great run at the moment. Nobody, it's all very much still to play for. So, from your point of view, Glenn, is there any hope? I spoke to, uh, I spoke to Crew. Uh, last week uh, and they said no we're absolutely down no chance we're not going to get out of it in all probability do you see any hope going forward uh, or or are you planning for next season I mean the the hope comes from looking at the league table like you say because you look at us on the pitch and we've looked awful and it's been an awful season and you think in your heads it feels like ourselves and crew are just should be way out of it but we're not, you know, we're, we're two wins away from safety. Yeah, that's what Fleet would have proven, isn't it? In Shrewsbury as well. Yeah, you just you just run a few a few results together. You find out. The, the problem is, is at the moment, it's really hard to see how we can do it. We had a couple of decent results before Christmas, I should point out. I think we had a win and a draw. It feels like ages ago now because of all the postponements. But, you know, you, you, you're two good results and a bit of confidence away from getting into it. So I don't think it's, I certainly don't think it's hopeless. A lot will show from who is appointed as manager or and where that goes. And there's been talk of support for them to strengthen in January. So hope's not gone yet. We are terrible to watch. <laughs> and it's and it's hard to remember that when you're watching us. But when you sit back and look at the table and the circumstance, I don't think hope's evaporated just yet. It has been Gary McSheffrey and caretaker charge. Had a, a, a very decent playing career. He's got no managerial experience to speak of though at the moment you know we've had Gary McSheffrey and, and Frank Sinclair assisting him for me I, I wouldn't want to see him in, in permanent charge and, but the reason for that is you know I talked before about us not having any continuity coming into the season and, and not you know we struggled with missing key players you know no squad continuity mm. Gary McSheffrey Frank Sinclair have been working with the academy and then the under 18s and they've done a very they're doing a very good job there we had Five academy graduates start against Sunderland on um, the other day. I can't remember the last time we had five academy graduates start in a league game for Doncaster Rovers, and I think it's brilliant. You know, such as our fan base, they're getting slated straight away for not being world beaters, but you get that. But for me, you had seen five youth team graduates come into Sunderland is brilliant. I'd want to see Gary McSheffrey, Frank Sinclair continue the work they're doing with the academy. I feel like if we, if we need some continuity somewhere in the club. And I'd rather they continue doing that and nurturing those players and helping bring those players through than, than be put in charge of the first team. I think for me, I think what we need more than anything right now is just a complete fresh pair of eyes to come in and look at what we've got, look at who's there with no previous attachment to the club and, and make you know be able to make decisions without any emotional attachment. So with the position that both of our sides find ourselves in at the halfway point of the season, then it, it makes our encounter all the more mm. important for, for both sides. 
for people who perhaps didn't see the away game, there wasn't too much in it at the keep. It was there back uh, a few months ago. I think uh, a draw perhaps would have been a fair result. We should have had a blatant penalty after your keeper rugby tackled one of our lads. I think that's fair to say. I think you scored Tommy Rowe's header was your only shot on target in the whole game. So perhaps a draw was was probably about the fair results. Not too much in it. Uh, it, it does make uh, our game at the Mazuma uh, a very, very important one. Yeah, I'm glad you recapped that game because they've pretty much all merged into a muchness this season for, for me. <laughs> so it helped to pick out which one was which. Um, yeah, no, it does. It is. It is. A, it's a big game for both of us, isn't it? You know, if you get a result, you pull further clear. We get a result, and we we get a bit of hope. Uh, well, increased hope going into the games that follow. So, yeah, it's difficult. I mean, the, the nature of Championship League One and League Two, actually, I suppose, is. Occasionally, you know, quite often league position has no bearing on how a team will perform or, or put something out. And teams are very capable of, of pulling result fixtures out of nowhere. But when you do have these fixtures of, of two teams that are close together in the table, it just heightens it that bit more. I think I think the problem for that we might have coming to, coming to Morecambe is that there's an increased pressure on on us to get results, you know, having sort of thrown away a game pretty much, handed it to Sunderland the other day. Um, you know, we we come to a team that are, are near us in the table, and people start to even though it's second of January and there's months and fixed and twenty odd fixtures left, people start talking about it as being must win, and and it probably isn't, but I think it will feel that way a lot. So it's it really could go either way, couldn't it? I think it depends how much confidence we turn up with as to what kind of performance we might put in. I think both sides have got two big games coming up. We're, we're playing Crew. Uh, in fact, by the time listeners uh, hear this, we will have already played Crew. Hopefully, we've got the result that we we needed. You've got ourselves and then Fleetwood in mm. early January. But you've got some tough games coming down the track as well, haven't you? You've got Wigan, MK Dons, I think, then it's Rotherham in three consecutive weeks. So uh, you could do with a decent New Year period to kind of give you at least some hope, as could we, because we've got some tough games coming up ourselves. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the problem is when you're 23rd, every game looks pretty much tough. <laughs> to I mean, you're looking up at whoever you're playing. Um, you know, I watched us at, at Wigan early in the season and, and they were just a cut above what, what we had. Rotherham would be difficult anyway. I mean, you've got to factor in for us. That's one of our key derby games as well. So that gets an even an even greater sense of uh, importance for us. And and yeah, you know, when like I said, when you're in, in the position we're in, it's, it's hard to see where the next win is coming because almost every fixture looks daunting, you know, by the handful that are against teams around you. We've got games against Lincoln and Cambridge to be rearranged from this Christmas period that have been called off. So there are games still to come against teams, you know, towards the bottom. I think, yeah, a lot hinges for us on on who's in charge for those games and, and who the squad is. And I think we're a long way away from, well, maybe not the manager, but we're a long way away from knowing what that squad's going to be that takes the field. So, who knows what could happen between now and then. I'll talk to you about COVID in a second, Glenn, if, if I may. But uh, let's yeah. uh, talk about matters on on the field uh, between Doncaster and Morecambe. How has Gary McSheffrey been lining up? Tell us all we need to know about uh, formations and, and players to watch for you guys and so on. Well, man, I wish I could, but we, we just <laughs> seem to change so often and, and so many injuries and players dropping out. Doesn't um, help, does it? No, we what did we line up with yesterday um, or earlier this week? I should say against against Sunderland, it would have been sort of a four 
3-1-1 almost, or it might even have been a 4-4-1-1 that we had the other day, but I don't think that's consistent with what we've been playing with. It really has varied on players available. Um, I mean, Tommy Rowe has been the key player for us this season, but he's played in pretty much every position. He's, he's was signed pretty much as a left-back. He looks better for us in centre midfield. He started the other day as a supporting striker and he's played at <laughs> centre-half this season. So, you know, as we said earlier, attack-wise... We don't pose much threat at all. You know, Joe Dodo is big and awkward, but he's not done a huge amount. Omar Bogle's been out of favour for much of the season and hasn't really shown much. So we we just we just pose very little threat in attack. So you shouldn't really be worried, I think, is the is the sad truth. Um maybe set pieces, you know, depending on who starts. Joseph Olo uh, has been very good at centre-half if Tom Anderson is back in as well. And if Ethan Galbraith comes back, the loanee we've got for Manchester United, uh, although his loan might have ended by then, I'm not 100% sure. So there's there's a few players with a bit of talent, but collectively we, we're just not showing enough to worry any team really at the moment. And that's the sad thing. I think you play in a, if you're playing us the end of January, there might be more bodies to worry about. But at the moment, I'd be I wouldn't be having many sleepless nights if I was a Morecambe fan. On paper, it's got either nil-nil or 4-4 or four, four written all over it. <laughs> I, I suspect, given that I'm not going, and I can't, I thought I was hoping to and I can't get there and back, it's probably going to be 4 all now. So. <laughs> so do you think there's any hope for either Morecambe or Doncaster? Are we both going to be League One football clubs next season or, or, or are one or both of us going to go down? Um. And the difficult with League One is because it's four go down, isn't it? It's really hard to to get an idea of who's who's going to be safe. I think I think Crew are, are definite. I think in, in terms of going down, I'm sad to say, because of the players they lost after coming up. Really, um, I think this could be the season that, that Gillingham finally find themselves in in a bit of trouble. And then after that, it's probably a free for all between sort of six clubs, of which ourselves are, are two of those clubs. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's a worry, isn't it? I mean, it, it all comes down to where you next, you sort of January, February, where you get some results. And if you're out of the bottom four by March, you, you have a bit more confidence, don't you, as the games come. But they, they will come thick and fast towards the end of the season. So I think a lot of it comes down to the confidence in the team. And, and we saw that last year with Doncaster is when we had some confidence, we were flying and we were right up near the top. And then as soon as that disappeared, we just plummeted. And, and we've been down there ever since. So... I wouldn't. I think we're probably two of the bookies' favourites to go down. I think ourselves, based on where we are, and yourselves, based on you know being a club arguably historically punching above its weight. You know, I, I, for me, you absolutely deserve to be where you are. You've got there on merit, but but people outside don't see it that way, do they? So we, we're probably amongst the the favourites to go down. But hopefully, we can between us bring some surprises and, and be in this division again next season. Fingers crossed. We'll make a note of that then. Doncaster and Morecambe to, to both stay up and a pulsating 4-4 draw at the Mazuma. Uh, to give yeah, us I mean, it sounds ridiculous when you've it back. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you make of this, uh, the, the, the whole uh, COVID situation then? Hopefully as the weather starts to get a bit better and it starts to get a bit warmer, we're going to be coming out of this, fingers crossed, as we head towards the latter part of the season. But to me, and, and, and this isn't the opinion of, of the radio station or the football club or anything, this is my personal opinion, the rules as they stand at the moment, that the phrase I don't like football clubs coming out with is when games are being postponed due to COVID and other injuries. That seems a little bit of a cop-out to me, that, that yeah. powers that be should perhaps be a little bit tighter on. What do you reckon? 
Yeah, it's it's strange, isn't it? Because we we're in a situation where at our level of football there isn't there isn't as thorough a testing situation as there is at other levels, and there's also no in England. I, mean, I live in Wales, so my regulations are a lot stricter. But there's in England there is there's so much variation on regulation in terms of what can and can't happen both in football clubs in terms of spectators attending as well mm-hmm. it's it's really hard to maintain anything and like you say once you start adding in existing injuries which there are inevitably going to be some at this season this time of the season with unavailability through covid which of those do you start like you say which do you, you can you can say okay that's a positive covid test but is that as bad a groin strain as you're making yes. out or is that yes. and, it, and it's really hard and it puts you in a difficult position um, as I mentioned, I'm, I live in Wales at the moment and here there's literally no sport for the next three or four weeks. And it's disappointing and it's sad because going to watch live football here is a, is a big part of, of, of what I do where I can't go and watch Doncaster. Um, but it makes sense to me because you don't have these awkward situations of, of late postponements and potential postponements and not really knowing where you stand. You know, it, it might be seen by many as a draconian approach, but for me, in a, a time of year when we know that this illness is at its worst, yeah. it kind of makes sense to me to stop. But obviously, it's a bit easier in the pyramid in Wales than it is in the pyramid in in England with the money that's involved. So, yeah, it's a strange one. It's a difficult one because, you know, like you said, there's there's, there's just it's just so hard to determine what's a not obviously you've got the test to show what's a positive COVID test, but then it's is that niggle point? Yeah, yeah. I think, like you say, it's an impossible situation, isn't it? That no, there's mm. no right, there's no right or wrong answer, but it, it, it does to some people perhaps it could appear that well, you know, you, you've, you're flexing the rules to the, the, the very edge of what they are there for, for whatever reason that might be. Mm. I suppose all we can do as football clubs is and is is do what we do, and and as fans, it, it is what it is, isn't it? We have to sort of obey whatever comes down the yeah. track. And it are, you know, arguably you've got the the other patient problem you've got is the disparity in squads in this division and yeah. and um you know potential for bringing players in, you know, the strength of the second choice players at say Wigan, Sunderland, etc., are much stronger than the second choice players at ourselves. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we like I say we started five youth team graduates, young youth team graduates on um, against Sunderland because of some injuries, but also a couple of COVID cases and things like that. And that's that's the next step for us. Whereas bigger teams in this division have four COVID cases, it's not going to affect them in their squad selection as much. So it's there's so many disparities and and differences. It's it's really difficult unless you have a very blanket rule, like I say, but it'll be deemed as a very harsh blanket rule because the only blanket rule you can do is no one plays. Yeah. I think there's certainly a strong argument uh, and I think a lot of people are heading that way of let's have a pause to the season. I suppose then you've got the fixture backlog and do you extend the season and what happens in a month's time if we're still in the same situation, case numbers and so on. So there's no answer, is there? But uh, it will be what it will be. Glenn, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate your time. I've kept you far longer than what I said I would. So uh, thanks for hanging on. (laughs) We appreciate it. Uh, One last time, give us a sales pitch, the popular stand fanzine. Uh, Where can we read all about that? Um, So the best place to find out is is our website, popularstandfanzine.com. We we, we sadly don't sell at matches 
anymore because of all the issues we've just talked about and not knowing when games are going to take place. But we do have back issues available. So if you go to the website, you'll find us on Twitter at Viva Rovers and, and Instagram Popular Stand. Yeah, Popular Stand on Instagram. I have to think about that one. Um, but you've searched for our website. And if you if you ever want to, we've got plenty of back issues available and recent issues. And I'm more than happy to send them out to anyone anywhere in the world that, that wants a copy. So yeah, feel free to uh, pick it up. We've, we've won awards in the past, so we must be half decent. Even you can take someone else's word for it, is what I'm saying, other than just mine. Dying art, isn't it? Fanzine writing, not so about certainly the printed version is. I know several clubs in this division, Sunderland being one of them, they've got their wrote the Roper report, which is absolutely incredible. The, the, the amount that they get through, other clubs have as well. But it's, it's a dying art fanzine, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, there's there's been a bit, to be fair, there's been a bit of a resurgence in recent years of, of people going back to it. I mean, there are, like you say, long-standing fanzines. Uh, Sunderland's other one, I Love Supreme, has been going a lot longer than, than us, and, and they won the, the latest fanzine of the year, beat, beating ourselves. But there is a bit of a return to print fanzines with, with some clubs. I think it's, I think one of the, the things that, that sells it, and this is certainly true of Popular Stand, is, there's a lot more room to articulate things without being shouted down, yeah. you know, which you don't necessarily have on social media or on message boards. You'll, you'll get drowned out very quickly. Whereas the whole nature of a print fanzine means that there's a bit more time to take stock of things before you write. And certainly before people read it, because you've got to get it in print. So it's a, it's a bit of a slower medium. And, and to be honest, that, in the world of the internet these days, that suits me just fine. <laughs> Glenn, thanks very much indeed. Good luck for the rest of the season after the 2nd of January, <laughs> of course. I, I really hope you stay up because Doncaster is a great club and, and the Keat Motor. What, what, what are you calling now? The Eco... E- Eco Power Stadium. Eco Power Stadium. It's always a great day out there. Fantastic modern stadium. Uh, all of the staff there are, are fantastic. They look after the press really well. So for that reason alone, I hope you stay up. But uh, we'll, we'll see what yes. the next few months transpires. Glenn, thanks very much. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. Cheers, Dave. Thanks very much. All the best. A massive thank you to Glenn Wilson, the editor of the popular stand fanzine for all things Doncaster Rovers. Go and check them out on Twitter at Viva Rovers, at popular stand on Instagram. And if you search for it on Google, uh, up it will come for all things Doncaster ahead of their trip to the Mazuma. This coming Sunday, it's the 2nd of January, 3 pm kickoff. Uh, this coming Sunday and we are looking forward to bringing you the whole game here on Shrimps Live Team News uh, the build up with myself Dave Salmon uh, joined by special guest Abby Rodwell will be on air on Beyond Radio across North Lancashire and South Cumbria on 103.5 and 107.5 FM and on DAB Plus Digital Radio and of course you can listen or watch uh, via the I Follow Shrimps platform as well a massive game ahead on Sunday Morecambe against Doncaster Rovers we will look forward to your company then and that's just about it for this episode of the shrimps verdict podcast thanks so much as ever for your ears and we'll speak to you next time every kick every game every goal following morecambe fc in league one full match commentary of morecambe fc on beyond radio this is shrimps live from beyond radio